the name of Jesus. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, we honor you and we bless you. God, we thank you because praise is what we do. God, we thank you for being God. We thank you for you being Emmanuel. We thank you for you being Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Elohim, El Shaddai. God, we want to tell you thank you. God, even when we don't have the other names, we could just say thank you for being burden bearer. Thank you for being our heavy load sharer. Thank you for being our mind regulator. Thank you for being our heart fixer. Thank you for being our companion. Thank you for being our peace, our joy, our love. God, thank you for your protection. Oh, God, we just want to tell you thank you. And God, thank you for this precious opportunity that we get to gather in this hallowed place where you reside. You live here, oh God. You live in us, oh God. And we thank you. God, we thank you that you saw us dead in trespasses and you still died for us. God, thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave us there. You didn't allow us to be cut off and, and continue to be enemies of you, but you reconciled us at just the right time. God, we want to tell you thank you. So, God, we thank you for the sunshine. Lord, we thank you for every day that has been good. God, we thank you for every moment that we've enjoyed on this side. But, God, I want to stand and tell you thank you for every time it rained, for every time the storms of life came through. God, because you carried us through. When we didn't know what to do, God, you was right there. God, when we didn't have the words to say, you touched our hearts. When we were broken, you mended us back together. And God, we just want to tell you thank you. So God, as we stand in this sacred place, behind this sacred desk, oh God, God, won't you remove me, oh God. Oh God, I'm just an empty pitcher and I stand before you, your fountain asking you to fill me, God. I want to run over with you, oh God. I want to be in the overflow, God, of you. I need your presence. I need your power, oh God. I can't make it in this life without you. So God, won't you bless the word that you have given to me to share to your people. Let it fall on good ground. Let them not hear and see me, but let them hear and see you, Jesus. Oh God, that we'll have what we need to live and to live this life in the abundance that you have given to us as we wait, patiently await your return to live eternally with you in the heavens. So God, let every word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable into your sight. Oh Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. And God, I thank you that you hear me when I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our true and living God. I thank the Lord for this opportunity to share his word once again with his people. You know, I was talking to my dad, and sometimes subjects will come to my mind. And I'm like, Dad, did you preach that before? Dad, did I hear, you know, because it sounds familiar. 
But the good thing about God's word is that because it's alive, you can hear the subject, you can see the scripture, and God will still give you a new thing, a new revelation, a new understanding. And I'm grateful for that. So to this afternoon, we're just going to talk about take it to Jesus. I believe that oftentimes we don't take enough to Jesus. And I will confess because as my brother and every one of you all know that have been with 3Ps for a little while or at least seen me, you know I'm going to tell on myself. And I don't need nobody else telling my story. I'll do it. <laughs> There's been many of times where I felt that I could handle it. I can take care of it. As my parents, we have this thing in our family. Anytime I hear my dad or my mom say, oh, I got it, I got it under control. I'm like, no. It's like the family kiss of death when we hear those statements. Like, my mom's like, I got it, I got it. I'm like, you don't. But I have to understand that God looks at us the same way. Oftentimes, we'll sit up and be like, I got it, God. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh, I know what to do. And he's like, no, you don't. And what I love about God, because he's so patient and he's so kind with us, he's so merciful, he's so long-suffering, he allows us to just be our friends. And, but he knows, David said, he knows the path that I take and the way I'm to go. He already knows. He's factored in all of my blunders, my foolishness, and my folly. But yet, he helps us to understand that if you come to me in prayer, I have something for you. He told Jeremiah over in Jeremiah 33, he says, Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things you did not know. So it helps me to understand that when God is saying, to t for us to pray when God is telling us that he wants us to be in communion and relationship with us he's given us the opportunity through to do that in prayer now I love the Old Test I love all of the scripture but when I think about before Adam and Eve sinned they had communion with God in the bar. They hung out maybe about 4 o'clock every day. Oh, who knows? But then they got a little reckless, very much disobedient, and we're still paying for it today. But if we keep reading the word, we learn about Enoch. And now, mind you, sin is already in the world. We've already have been placed as enemies be between us and God. But yet you had folks that believed the report that they heard about this great God of heaven and earth, and they had a relationship with him. And Enoch walked with God all of his days. I mean, he every day he woke up, and it kind of reminds me of Sister Patricia. I love her Facebook posts. It ain't about the babies, the grandkids, Brother David. Thank you, Jesus. Give praise and glory to God. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Walking with God in the coolness, in the morning time, you name it. She is walking with God, and it shows. 
So many of you, if I don't call your name, you know you walking with him. And that's the greatest thing about the relationship with God. Somewhere along the line, we learned that we had to take it to Jesus. So today I just, and there's so many passages of scripture on why it's important for us to take it to Jesus, but let's first talk about prayer. Webster's Dictionary, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, Oxford Dictionary, all has the same statement as it relates to prayer. They say it's a devout petition to God or an object of worship. But it's the second point that I like the most. Because somewhere it makes me feel that somebody who wrote that definition might have read some scripture. Because here it says a spiritual communion with God or an object of worship, as in supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, and confession. And I just was sitting there, I said, who? Somebody might have read the Bible over here and understands the importance that when we are to pray for us to not only have that communion, that, that intimacy, that time with God, because prayer is so vital, we see so many times people prayed, whether we're looking at, uh, before Moses there was Abraham, if we're looking at Methuselah, we're looking at Enoch, we're looking at people who prayed and communed with God. We see the importance of prayer, we see the importance of sacrifice, we see the importance of getting to the place of saying, God, I'm bringing this to you. And today as we talk about take it to Jesus, we sang the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. I do believe that the reason why prayer is not often utilized as it should be, because the enemy tells us a few lies. And somewhere along the line, we've allowed the lies of the enemy to sound like the truth of what it is. He is a deceiver. Scripture says he's been a liar from the beginning. And you know, when I think about that, you know, when they talk about people who lie here, because I, I used to suffer from that as a kid, but the Lord beat it out of me through my parents, through humble submission. I, the Scripture says I learned obedience, you know, even unto punishment. Yes, I learned it. Okay, calm down. But true. And I'm grateful that I learned it, right? I'm grateful that they disciplined. I'm grateful for that because, you know, one of the things my mom would always say, you can't even keep up with what you say. And I think to myself, the devil, I don't think he can keep up with what he said. I mean, he's the father of lies, but some of the lies, it, it just starts to break down after a while. You'd be like, why are you lying? Why would you tell me that God doesn't care about me? Why would you tell me that my issue is too small or too great for God? Why would you tell me these lies? Why would you make me feel like I'm insignificant when he said that he gave his life for the whole world? He sent his son to die for everybody. So why would you lie to me and tell me that there's no point in praying? Why would you lie to me? Clearly, the enemy knows something about prayer, and he's jealous of it. 
Because I've learned people really only lie for a few reasons. They're selfish, they're jealous, or they're scared. Flat out stupid. You're absolutely right. There's no real, because what, what profits a man to gain the whole world and lose it? So what profits someone to lie in such a way when, when the truth of God is so free? And that's why Jesus said, I come to testify of the truth. Because the enemy's out here telling us a bunch of lies. So here are some lies that I, I have heard, I have thought, and I have seen down through the years. Now, some of you have been living a little bit longer than me. So if I miss one, don't feel bad about shouting it out or putting it in the comments. But this one, God is too busy I don't want to bother him with this stuff. What? God ain't like myself or Chucky or my dad who, who has a limited time frame. God is not bound by a calendar that if he doesn't turn the, chap, the, the calendar from October to November that he's just thrown all off. If he didn't set his clock back, oh no, he's going to be late. What do you mean he's too busy? And, and, you know, it's interesting because the next one ain't no better. I'm the last person he wants to hear from. I've heard so many people, people who have came up in church, some people who are so hell-driven and hell-committed that they feel that there's only hell for them. And they don't understand that he came that all would repent. All would, would, he said, it ain't my will that anyone would perish, but all come to repentance and have everlasting life. Another lie that he tells is that he has bigger things to worry about. Ain't that great? And you could tell when people say these things, you could tell that they don't know who God is. Because oftentimes people regulate God to be the size of their own understanding. I will only think of God as much as I think of my father. So if I didn't think my father was much, then God ain't much. If I don't believe that, that, that uh, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to good people too, then I'm not going to think that God will work at all for my, I won't know how. That's why it's so, I'm going to pause for a moment, that's why it's so important for parents to train your children up in the ways of God because the scripture says over Ecclesiastes is that remember your creator in the days of your youth because evil days are coming. And to be honest, the evil days, they've already been here since sin entered and they get eviler, eviler, and eviler by the day. I hear, uh, got a co-worker of mine who's a very proud atheist. And she says to me, oh, you know, he got bigger, you know, like, stuff like, you know, uh, hunger in third world countries, wars in Ukraine and Russia. And I'm sitting here listening to it, and I'm thinking, but he's God over everything. Another lie that he tells us is that 
there's no point in praying. It's going to be what it's going to be. It is what it is. That complacent thought is what uh, I believe the enemy has spread in my generation and those after me. My generation believes that, you know, I think we kind of coined that phrase, it is what it is. I, but I do remember the 70s, some of y'all were saying that back then too, so maybe this is y'all's fault. Um, but, yeah. So men is what you're saying. Okay, no. But it is what it is. As if we as believers, those who who call on the name of God, we cannot beseech him for mercy. You're saying that my prayers are of null effect? That there's no reason for me to ask God's will to be done or for me to pray, God, here's my heart, here's my petition? What? Satan, you are a liar, and the truth ain't in you. And last one, I just want to look at these five, and I have some scriptures to back it up. Another lie from the enemy is nobody understands me. Let's start unpacking this because I didn't got happy to myself. The lie the enemy says, he says, he's, God is too busy. Don't want to bother him with this. Well, that's a lie, and let's debunk this today. 1 Peter 5 and 7, it says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Sometimes people need to understand that I don't care if your mother and father have been atrocious human beings, God cares. I'm pretty sure Joseph felt some kind of way. He had these great dreams that he knew only God could give him. But he was born into a family of dysfunction. And his brothers hated him and sold him off. And, and But his father favored him. But he had to trust God. And I'm sure at some point he had to learn to cast all his cares upon God. Another passage of scripture that helps us to understand is found over in Psalms 42 and 8. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. So that means from the morning I wake up, God is already loving on me. Before I even woke up, he's already talking to me. He already got plans for my life. And at night, his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Is he the God of your life? Another passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 8 and 6. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father of whom all things and we for him and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things and through whom we live. What is that saying? What do you mean he's too busy? We are because of him. And I have never known somebody to create something and not care about what they create. You got some parents who have made children. You hear my term different. They made a baby. They didn't create the life. God is the creator of life. So if your maker and manufacturer being your parent didn't do too well, 
take it to the creator who made the pattern for who you are. Another lie that the enemy says is that I'm the last person he wants to hear from. Well, that's a lie. Romans 10, 11 through 13 says, for the scripture says, whoever. So when you run into the people who say he don't want to hear from me, ask them if your name is whoever. Ask them who qualifies to be a whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction because let me tell you another thing you got folks walking around here believing a false doctrine a false theology a fake narrative as if there's a divisive God that we serve in heaven that as if there's going to be segregation at the gate there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. That lets me know it doesn't matter my political view. It doesn't matter my credit score. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter where I went to school, what my pedigree is, if I got degrees or not. He is Lord of all because I am a whoever and if I call on him, he will hear me and answer. Verse 13 says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. My dad taught us years ago growing up that God has, there ain't no blank shells in his gun. Every bullet he has got a power, pain, and whatever shell he says is going to come to pass. It's fully loaded. Another passage, Jesus himself said this over in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So what you mean he don't want to hear from you? He's saying, please come. Come one, come all, come you, whether you three months old to eight to 80, blind, crippled, or crazy, you name it, I want you. And every number between and over that, I want you because I made you, I created you, I'm, uh, I fixed and fastened you together. I got purpose and plans for you. Another lie. We just, all we try to do today is debunk every lie of the enemy. Because my scriptures and your scriptures too lets us know that the, the devil, God be exalted. The devil is defeated. God be exalted. He says, arise, oh God, let your enemies be scattered. Burn them away, God. Let's burn away every lie of the enemy. But to do that, we got to get in the word. He has bigger things to worry about. Well, there's too many scriptures for this. So I just thought I would give one. Is that all right? Jeremiah 32, 27. I am the Lord God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? 
you know one thing I love about the Lord, and I was telling Pastor Amanda this a couple of days ago when we were talking. I said, I love the way that sometimes God, he'll flex in Scripture. He's the only one who is really capable, able, and should be flexing. You know, he, he every now and then, like the young folks say, put some respect on my name. That's what God does every now and then in these Scriptures where he'll say, put some respect on him because the scripture before verse 27, 26, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, but if we go back to Genesis over in chapter 12, I believe it is, God makes a covenant with Abraham and he asked him the same question. Is there anything too hard for me? What you mean your wife is old and she can't get pregnant? Do you know who I am? said the only few things the two things actually it's only two things he said he would never do he would never leave us nor forsake us and that includes failure that includes going back on his word he said I'll never do those things because that's leaving or forsaking and I don't do those things here's the point that I and I'm just going to summarize this passage but this past, this lie that the enemy tells us, there's no point in praying because it is what it is. That cancer diagnosis, the kidney issue, the mental health disparities, the financial issues, the bureaucracy of the politicians, the, the racism, the, the isms and schisms, the phobias and there's no point in praying because, you know, the world is going to hell in the handbasket. Who cares? Oh, but there's so many scriptures that lets us to know. He told Solomon over in 2 Chronicles 7 14, he said, if my people that are called by my name, all they got to do is humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways out. I'll do what I always will do. I will forgive their sins. I'll heal their land. Oh, God, and he said he'll restore it if we would only just pray. Humble ourselves and pray. But the passage that I want to realize on this one, dealing with sickness specifically, because I believe, people of God, that we allow ourselves to live before the spirit, below the spiritual poverty line for no reason. We act as if our prayers are of none effect. We literally act as if, as though when we go into those hospital scenarios, when we go into the situation, as if we serve a limited God. And you know what? If this is his will, that's just what it is. We're not going to pray anything else. Hold up. Wait a minute. We always pray, God, your will be done. But he wants us to bear it all to him, bring every concern, every fear, every trepidation, 
Bring it to him and watch him work it out. You don't believe me? Look at 2 Kings 20. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus said the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then, oh God, he turned his face towards the wall and began to what? Pray. He took it to the Lord in prayer. Now, remind you, the prophet of God just came and told him what God said to him. You're going to die, man, and you ain't going to live. But Hezekiah was like, oh, boy, I need to talk to him for myself. Have you got to a place where you want to talk to him for yourself? You Thank God for intercessors. Thank God for people who go and stand in the gap. But have you prayed for yourself? And he began to say, remember now, Lord. I pray how I, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And what I like about this passage, it says, and Hezekiah wept bitterly, ugly cry, hollering, going, you know, when, it, when it's mummering and nobody can understand you but God. And it happened, verse 4. And it happened before Isaiah could even get out of the middle court of the palace. The word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying to him, return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus said the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Why is this so important? Sometimes we need to remember that not only is it important for us to pray. Yes, the Lord's will will be done. We pray that, Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that. But he also gave us keys to the kingdom. He said, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, you'll loose it in heaven. We understand something that God has given us power, and we should pray. Now, I'm not saying power to pray for the power ball. No, come on, y'all. Let's be in context. Let's have good theology. Right? But we have help. Let us, the scripture says that the, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. What does that mean? Keep praying, men and women of God. I don't care how, do you know how bad Sapati's tumors was looking? You know, Listen, you're talking about an ugly, stinking situation, but we kept on praying. Hallelujah. And he God said, I heard your prayers, and I've seen your tears. Oh, God, he's heard your prayers, Mama Sonia, for your son. He's heard your prayers, Pastor Warren. He's heard your prayers, Pastor Kermit. He's heard your prayers, and he's seen your tears. 
and he's faithful. And at the appointed time, hallelujah, oh God, that time that he's already spoke from eternity, we just waiting to see the manifestation here in the, the now. Oh God, and we thank you. Oh God, last but certainly not least, nobody understands me. Oh God, that self-loathingness, that bitterness, that woe is me. Nobody loves me but my mama and she may be jiving too kind of prayer. Don't you know the scripture says over in Hebrews 4, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. What is he saying over in verse 13 or verse 15? He says, for we do not, qualification, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. What is that saying? He knows exactly how you feel. He knows what it's like to feel alone and, and all by yourself and feeling like nobody loves you. Nobody see. He knows, hallelujah, he knows what it likes to feel burden and heavy. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like when you're feeling like that relationship ain't never going to work. He knows. He, he cannot sympathize for he's letting us know for we do not have a high priest that who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So when you feel like you just can't help it God said, I know how you think you're feeling, but I know how you feel. But listen, you can do it. You can make it. You can hold on. You just keep focused on me, and I will take you to where you need to go. And then it simply admonishes us in verse 16, let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Who is in need of some help? I don't care how much money some of these folks got. They need help. Not just help from mental health professionals. They need help from on high. So many people are believing and following after so much unsound lies. from I mean, just lies, lies, and more lies. But they're not getting into the truth of God's word. And God is saying, I want you to know me. Paul said it best, he said, oh, to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to the image of Christ. We got to be made over. We got to take it to Jesus. Could you imagine what would have happened if Hannah believed Benina's lies? We never would have had a Samuel. We never would have seen the, the conversation go down the way it did for Saul and even for David. If people don't take it to the Lord in prayer, could you imagine if Jesus didn't pray in the garden for us over in John 17? If he says, you know what, forget this. I, 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 you know, I'm just going to go back up to him. This is stupid. This is too much. But no, he labored for us. Could you imagine what it would have been if, if different ones didn't pray for you? If they didn't take your name to prayer, Brother David, 
throne of grace. But now it's time for us to take it to Jesus. So as I close on today, take it to him. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. I don't care if it's as small as you're concerned about the ambiance at your house. I don't care if you think it's as great as figuring out if you're going to get the promotion or the diagnosis coming. Take it all to the Lord in prayer. He is concerned about every portion and aspect of your life. Nothing is hidden from him. Nothing is too big for him, too small for him. He cares, oh God. The song says, thou carest, Lord, for me, for me. Why should I fear? When thou art near God, you care for me, so take it to Jesus. All those individuals that didn't bring, could you imagine what would have happened if people didn't bring their loved one to Jesus? Those, that lame man, his friends, if they just let him be lame? But they said, we got to take him to Jesus. They tore the roof off the place and lowered him down. Are you willing to go the distance, oh God, to set the plate aside, to lay out the and take it to Jesus? Every morning I pray for the young people. I call out their names day by day. Take them to Jesus. Take your children. Take your husband, your spouse, your loved one, the unsaved, the job, the bosses. You name. Take it to Jesus. And he's faithful. He'll hear and he'll answer according to his will and to his way. Don't take it to Facebook. Take it to Jesus. Don't get on the phone. Take it to Jesus. Whatever it is, take it to Jesus. Amen. As this same, this is my daughter, this same young lady who just got through sharing the word of taking it to Jesus. I remember when she was born, Sister Perry hit on that this morning, and her heart valve didn't close, and, and she was just in a, a mess for five to six months. She only gained one pound after five months. And, and the condition she had would lead into pneumonia, so then they couldn't do the surgery, and we were back and forth, back and forth. And finally, uh, we began to call on the Lord. And we can't wait anymore. We're going to take her to Jesus. And we took her to, to the Children's Hospital over in L.A. And, and during that time, this was back in 1984, God always has a purpose. And everything, all things work together for good for them who love God and are called according to his purpose. And here in my young saved life, three or four years, and Camille is in waiting on the surgeon to come in, even though she couldn't hardly breathe and she had the pneumonia. We had given it to Jesus. Lord sent me downstairs. I thought I'd go get some coffee. And it was two scantily clad women down there in the cafeteria. And they were smoking. They, they had their cigarettes with them, not smoking at the time. But the Holy Spirit came in. And do you know, while we're praying for our daughter and praying that God would work this situation out, sharing what I knew about this Jesus, then women got up after sharing what they were going through took their cigarettes, threw them in the trash and said they were going home a different way. And I said, look at the Lord. 
Nobody but the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so if we take it to Jesus, everything is going to be all right. What would you say, Sister Amanda? Amen. Can we take it to Jesus? Amen. Let's, let's make some noise in here, and then we're going to praise. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Cast all your cares upon the Lord. Cast all your to us 
it's all known to him. And we can take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, God, thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you, Lord. We bless your most holy name. We, your people, we humbly bow before you, God. You told us in your word that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God, we've heard your word on today, God. We're bringing it to you. God, our titles mean nothing. Our financial statuses mean nothing. Our physical conditions mean nothing. God, we're taking it all to you. All to you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Deliver us, Lord. God, make ways out of nowhere in the name of Jesus. We're calling upon you today, Lord. These your people. Breathe on us, Lord. Breathe on us a fresh anointing on today. In the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we're lifting up the saints everywhere. We're lifting up Sister Janet on today, Lord, that you would touch her body, Lord. Sister Raquel, won't you touch in the name of Jesus? Brother John, he needs a touch from you, Lord, right where he lays today in the rehab, in the name of Jesus. Elder Herrera, touch God. Oh, God, we're taking it all to Jesus. Every issue, every pain, every heartache, every sickness. Oh, God, we're taking it to you. Our ministry, our ministries that you have given each one of us, we're taking it to you, Lord. Increase our territories, Lord. Open up our eyes and our mind to hear and to see what you're saying to the church on today. Father, we pray for those hard things on today. God, we pray for Patrick on today in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we glorify you. We magnify you. We lift your name on high. We pray for Camille today. Uh, she brought and ministered the word that you gave her, Lord. And, Father, she pours out to others as she pours out her heart by day and by night in so many different areas and avenues you open up for her. God, we pray that you would shower down your blessings upon her where she won't have room to receive in the name of Jesus. God, you're just that faithful. And we thank you. We praise you, Lord. Look on this ministry. Look on everyone that called this ministry their home, their church home, Lord. God, these days we are the pastor here in the house and on the Zoom as well, Lord. And we're praying for the people today, Lord. We pray for those who cannot make it to the house of God. Some are sick, some are afflicted, some don't have transportation. We pray for them, God, that you would meet every need, oh God, according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Lord. And Father, those precious saints who have counted God complacent, we pray today, Lord, that you would reveal to us, you would read to each one of us, Lord, that it's important for us to fellowship in the house of the Lord with fellow believers, God, that we can find strength to go forth and go a little bit further. So, Father, we just love you today. We praise you. We magnify your name. Bless this congregation again and every, every church door that's open in your name. Oh, God, you know every situation. And, Father, we pray for the tithe and offering boxes on the wall, God. We pray, Lord, for this facility. We pray for Eastvale Bible Church on the other side of the building, God. We pray for your people everywhere that you alone will be glorified. So we bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's get out of here on the high note, Sister Amanda. Let's, let's, let's get some hands